0: Hey Toshi, how are you doing?
1: What's going on, brother? How are you doing? I'm good. Uh, today has been That's a rush.
0: Uh,
1: why? What have, what have you been doing? Because
0: you know how, so the whole POAP thing that I told you, right? I think you're one of the first- mm. So, whole mess. Because, so I think I mentioned to you that the last tweet that I'd made, I wasn't sure if it had, like, had some bot activity on it, right? Yeah, yeah. So apparently it did. And the POAP curation body noticed and didn't like it. And I got a 90-day blacklist. A what? Yes. And I went to their support. What? I went to their Discords. I'm like, bro, I realized I fucked up. I've already like I already know how I'm gonna fix this. And they were like, no. So, so I sat there like, how do I find a solution? And so Foxy, famous foxes come through. I can mint all the collections, I can mint all of the pops into a single Solana collection. So everyone can get it right. Solana, it's still free. And it can actually, I think there might be a way to value the artists even more, but I have to explore that and I have to check with all the artists individually to see if they're all okay with it first. But I think I found a solution and I think it's better, but it was, it was messy. Uh, if you look at the, the famous Fox's Discord chat from like two minutes before the podcast start, I'm, tar- I'm talking with the
1: trying to get it to work. <laughs> Yeah, I can only imagine that kind of stress, bro. Like, yeah, but at least to sort it out. I'm happy. To sort it out. I'm ha-
0: I think it might actually even be at the end of the day better than it being through Poop. I get to have the control over it. It's, I think it's better for me yeah. and for the artists as well. So that's what matters most. I think. Yeah, yeah makes so
1: makes sense. Yeah.
0: What about you? How are you doing? I'm good, brother.
1: I'm good. I've just um, just been finishing up some some bits in in my house, and I've been. In, for the past like three hours of on back-to-back fucking calls, um, so yeah, this is this is going to be nice to kind of just relax and um and like you know chat for a bit because the calls have been very business orientated. So yeah, good.
0: Yeah, uh, business calls are always so much more. I think even if you're, I don't know, like exactly how you work, but I've I've done it with friends and it always feels a lot more. Well, you have to be professional, so it's never mm. that chill
1: um yeah i mean i think it's more just the the conversational material i'm i'm you know i like the first the first conversation i was was with i was chatting with john about a few things and then and then the second one was um about some talk with um, a a debate that i'm going to be doing for columbia university about decentralization and blockchain technology so yeah it's um yeah obviously got to be professional i can't be you know (laughs) <laughs> just shooting the shit as we're going to be you know yeah that's yeah. super cool though debate at columbia yeah, yeah yeah it's going to be on zoom but yeah it's uh they're doing this uh digital like you know exploration of like blockchain technology kind of thing where that and it's also part of like um presenting a bunch of artwork uh, some of it is obviously like generative and stuff and part of that day is like a number of different events and one of them is like a, a, a debate session it's gonna be me and another individual and we're gonna be debating the merits of uh, this particular ecosystem and space yeah should be fun should be interesting
0: it's gonna be it's I think it's fun to talk about this with people that you don't know or like people that aren't used to the ecosystem because you there's I feel like there's a very different perspective from the outside than from the inside. Because from the outside, you're like, oh, the tech, the everything. Then you're from the inside, and you're like, it's a bunch of degenerates buying
1: JPEGs. That's fucked up, that, man. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, I've had this conversation with Hats a few times because Hats is. Um... Hatz has been doing he's doing this like kind of residency as a visiting lecturer at university from where where he is and um he's he's been having that kind of debate with himself as well because from an outside perspective of course there's 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 quite a bit of negativity with regards to what we do here and i think it's it's um <laughs> some some of it's warranted some of it not so much and it's like how do you approach people who aren't um you know they're not as they're not as well versed in what what goes on here both in terms of like the technology but also in terms of the culture which I think is I think it's a really important important point to get across you know
0: yeah i think talking about how people dislike nfts i mean in that kind of area i've had the same experience i was talking to another to a friend of mine and we were mentioning how we don't know how nfts managed to fumble the bag on gamers as hard as they did <laughs> Gamers hate <laughs> NFTs, but NFTs are literally—it's—it's it's your life as a gamer. It's skins, it's DLCs, it's the game, it's everything. It's like, how did we fuck it up?
1: How do people hate it so much? Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I don't think it's just gamers. Artists, artists, yeah. artists—really, quite a few of them have got a bit of a, a bee in their bonnet about NFTs. I think. I mean, if you ask me why, I mean, I, don't, I can't answer with regards to gamers specifically. I mean, I, I, it doesn't really make much sense. I mean, they're willing to part money, part ways with their money for, for a lot less. But I think with artists, I think it might just be a misunderstanding of what's happening. And it might be a mis, uh, miscommunication of, of the culture, that second aspect I was referring to. Because I think that's something that's very important, like I said, to kind of ram home in terms of a point. Because... And I think hey, listen, hey, listen. We're in a fucking bubble here, right? Now, this yes. could just be <laughs> my subjective bubble telling me this, but you know, there's an element of of uh, of I, I don't really know what the word. It's very exciting, the 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 dynamism of the culture here that I've you know that I've encountered and what I see like from from a, a growth standpoint. So, you know, anyone who kind of doesn't see it that way, I think it's Maybe it's just they haven't been you know, shown those reasons. They just see it from the narrative that is spun from anyone who's kind of outside looking in, you know?
0: 100%. I like another friend, someone that I unfortunately don't talk to that much anymore, but did art. And once I got into NFTs, I saw it, and I started seeing people talk about one-to-one art. And I'm like, this is cool, because I know that this one friend has struggled to try to kind of get their art out there and have really like monetize and be able to make something out of it and and i'm like you should try nfts i just discovered it and she's like no uh, nfts are terrible nfts like plagiarism and a bunch of these things and i'm like oh well <laughs> was that was the main the main
1: argument was it plagiarism what were the other points that's the one
0: i think the one that sticks with me was that but wait i think i could find it because this was probably on discord so let's see what gives it it's been a long time
1: it's usually like environment. It's usually like Ponzi. There's a
0: yeah, environment Ponzi. Um, yeah. Then they were mentioning Patreon. I th- they were mentioning that Patreon was a better way to uh, to do it. Um, yeah.
1: I mean that that could just be a comfort thing. People don't like um too much rapid change. Yeah, new things. But, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, it was it was a bit weird. I felt like there wasn't which it happens with some people. I think it depends on the person you're talking to, but well, it was definitely that reticence to change and there was, they'd been told something that from probably like a source that they respected and they were like, you know what? They're right. And they didn't really want to like open themselves up to the, to the possibilities.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I think it kind of leads at the end of the day, this was kind of predicated on crypto, right? And so there's a whole bunch yeah. of narrative that's going to that. Yeah, exactly. So, you're kind of, you, it's like a twofold battle, right? So you're fighting on one side, both in terms of the cryptocurrency itself, and then you're fighting in terms of why would anyone want to digitize and you know fucking sell JPEGs for thousands and possibly millions of dollars. You know, it's a yeah. difficult one to kind of to kind of spin people around to. But then again, it was a difficult one to spin people around to numerous innovative technologies that appear, appeared over the years. You know, it's the same old story.
0: but anyways with uh that topic being said I think I I realized that I kind of start starting the I like starting the podcast with the kind of basic like what's your background how did you get into into this world which is a very special one at that so like what's the story
1: um I've gone over this a lot I'll do the background I'll do a short version um my background is in a lot of shit bro okay <laughs> um uh i've lived numerous different lives over the years but yeah i'd say probably like some of my some of my strengths are in you know business um marketing branding human psychology etc um finding this space finding finding this wonderful thing that we that we will share this thing of ours um that was just really serendipitous and like I, I i've said this numerous times before i put it at the at the feet of one of my best friends who was who passed away so i obviously discovered bitcoin a long 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 time ago uh, i read about it uh 2010 2011 something like that there was a movie that came out around the same time which referenced bitcoin and i sat with my friend ems who's also in the space we watched it and i, I remember talking to her about it and just saying like this is actually quite cool just in terms of the idea of of digital currency Never saw it as a value proposition. Never got involved um, as stupid of me as that is. And, you know, like everyone kind of looks back in hindsight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um. But, yeah, basically my, my friend a few years ago, he, he was like the most like unt- – he the dude, the motherfucker couldn't use shit. He didn't know how to – he only got an iPhone like maybe two years before he died. Like this dude couldn't use a computer for his life. And like I had to set his laptop up, you know, he was, he was useless. Yeah. And yet he was the one – that I had the real kind of foresight uh, to buy Bitcoin at a very, very low price. And, you know, it, it started to really take off just after he died. And I remember when someone told me it, like, because it, it was a random conversation. Someone brought it up and I was like, what, 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 What? when did he, like, hold on a minute. Like, I mean, obviously he's gone. He couldn't fucking enjoy it. But the yeah. fact that he did it in the first place, I'm like, this, does, this doesn't compute. Um, there are actual reasons why it happened. Um, I'm not going to go into, but like, it just didn't make sense to me. And so it just made me more um, inquisitive. And then that leads to what happens if I get interested in the subject. I become obsessive. And um, yeah, like the, the, the short version is through that journey, I obviously then got, I, I encountered NFTs, obviously on Ethereum at first, um, and I saw the potential for it in terms of art, that was the first thing that I really, this was before like Bored Apes and stuff. So I I saw, I saw what, what I could see to be something in which, I mean, obviously in terms of the idea of the royalties, which was a massive thing. Cause when I, when that actually like kind of got through to me in terms of understanding what that meant um, over a long, long term period. And if this became a viable um, ecosystem, that was something that was massive to me um but then it was also the potentiality of what could happen when you democratize um the art market to such a degree right? and allow and allow um almost everyone to kind of take part to almost anyone anyone to become a collector and appreciate uh, an appreciator <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of art so yeah that got me very very excited and um yeah, that just uh, that eventually led me over to Solana, which was kind of when everything was starting. It was like uh, August, beginning of September, end of August, beginning of September, twenty twenty
0: one. Yeah, so was it all to you? Was it always mostly about the actual art and the opportunity
1: for artists? Uh, I mean, listen. Uh, so the, it wasn't like a thing where I was pursuing it was a thing of that this was, for me personally just in a subjective thing it was like this is really interesting this is very this is what i see it's going to be i'm going to partake i'm going to be a participant so i bought nfts i bought art right when i saw what happened with um in terms of like you know the 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 opportunity of profit with nfts after what happened with bored apes and i saw the potentiality of solana i didn't come over to solana thinking that this is going to create the next great Art market. I came over to Solander for the opportunity um, and what I see for, you know, for profit. And that did end up happening. I did end up making quite, quite a good amount of money at the beginning of the ecosystem um, when everything was kind of ripping. No, that's, what, that's why I came here. Uh, it's, you know, it's that classic thing I came here for the money, but it stayed for the people <laughs> yeah. and for I the think, art. Uh, you know?
0: We joke about that a lot, but it ends up being very true. Especially in the bear market, obviously, there's not much money to stay here for. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's the, and not the truth. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. And so, so was it, did you just like notice? I'm trying to get to like why you noticed the potential. Because as someone, I don't personally like, I didn't really delve much into art as a kid. I was the one who didn't want to go to the museums when my parents told me to go. Um, did, was it just like you realized that the nfts had the potential for art or were you already appreciating art and spending time with that before crypto yeah
1: yeah yeah i've um okay. yeah yeah i've been appreciating art for very very long time I mean, in terms of appreciating isn't like giving a fuck and being genuinely interested yes yeah, since i was early teens um like being obsessive about it i'd say like mid to late teens collecting like early 20s um yeah fair bit back like it's not it's definitely something uh, and again it wasn't like a you know i've i've encountered this market i've encountered what's happening here and i'm going yay you know this is gonna change the world i'm seeing a potentiality i'm seeing it's like this is and this is the other thing right um i'm not actually that old bro but like when you do get to a certain age you start to if you do look back with any kind of genuine hindsight not in a in a kind of regretful manner, but in a kind of exploratory manner, right? You can notice certain trends. If you study history, they become even more uh, blatant. They become even more obvious. And so, you know, that was something that I picked up on. And I think a lot of people here have kind of done the same thing. They've picked up on the potentiality of the opportunity of what, what this could become. Not necessarily what it is right now, because as we all know, it's a fucking mess but what it could become later on down the line. Um, so, yeah, I think that was that was definitely why, you know, it's funny because usually when I become quite obsessive about something, I will pretty much eat it up after, you know, a certain amount of time. This just extended it and then it became even more so. And then it became, it's become almost like, um, I don't want to use puzzle, like it, 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 I, I'm trying to think of a good, it's like a game of chess in a way. Because it's like trying to figure out and i'm and I really enjoy it, and that's something that that that's really key is how much I enjoy and how much I love what's happening here and it wouldn't be that way it isn't the money and it isn't even the potentiality of that it's the it's again the culture it's what could happen there because again, through hindsight, that always has far more of an impact and will create far more of a return regardless of what you perceive that return to be over a longer period of time than over a shorter one. Um, so that's why, yeah, this, this space and everything we do here makes me so excited.
0: Yeah, I think the last person I spoke to that spoke, I think, so highly and, about, and associated so, so much importance to culture is uh, Lieutenant Lollipop, which mm. I'm sure you've heard of. Yes. Um, I don't know what your stance is on what he's been doing, but have mm-hmm. you ever had the chance to have a conversation with him about culture or about that kind of like aspect of crypto and NFTs and and all the communities building
1: here? So I've never had a conversation with him personally. Um, I have been uh, is part of my job, but also part of the nature of that kind of obsessive need to just know everything and to to, to have the ins and outs. Also, it helps with strategy um i pay attention as much as i can um i've seen pretty much everything you know that's gone on i've paid attention to all of it my opinions are twofold from a subjective viewpoint um i can't i couldn't genuinely make a call on what an individual who i've never encountered spoken to or really understood or attempted to in terms of motivation why they are doing what they're doing okay that i can say for, for sure that there's people in the ecosystem um, that do things for attention but will excuse it for other things and that's primarily because they don't even realize the nature of how their psychology works so you know the excuse is already in their own head it's not something that they need to worry about convincing other people because they believe it already um, there's also people within the ecosystem who do things because I mean I actually did a tweet about this recently. Uh, that, you know, some people just want to see the world burn. Um, from an objective viewpoint, I find I find a lot of what a lot of what he does actually quite interesting um, and actually quite important. I think um, I think the dialogue that 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 comes from some of the, some of the things that happen with regards to his choices are kind of more important than the reasons why he does them because it's there where we find the answers to the problems we're looking um whether he's doing that intentionally or not i don't really care what i do care about is that dialogue because it's interesting you know it's something that i pick pick people's brains about on a daily basis so yeah i I wouldn't if you ask me like in a a, do i think he's it's a good thing or a bad thing i'd say it's a good thing
0: okay yeah i think i'd like that point of view it's a lot more nuanced and balanced that you than you typically get from someone in the space, but I've had the I've had the chance to talk to him, and I, I I'll DM him a couple times on Discord. Each time he decides to set the world on fire, I'll send him a message like, <laughs> "What the fuck? <laughs> what
1: what yeah, are you I doing?" Think this the other thing is, I think the other thing is for me is that uh, I used to be a human. Okay, so for context. I used to be a human being who set the world on fire. And I mean, literally pyromaniac as a child. Okay. I put my family's life in danger numerous times. So like from a, uh, you know, standpoint of literally and psychologically, I have uh, many elements of my personality that are quite similar. They usually play out in real life. They don't play out on the internet. I don't, I don't really care for it that way. Um, so I can understand. It's probably why I appreciate it. You know?
0: Yeah. Fair enough. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah so, so i spoke to him and i think part of it he does it the way he says he does it anyways whether that's like very like conscious subconscious whatever it is is that he kind of sees as things happen and is he's very impulsive in what he does because he doesn't think anyone knows what the fuck is going to happen next
1: mm.
0: and so he's just trying to push things So that things happen and to create an impact, whether that impact is good or bad, he doesn't really know. And according to what that impact ends up doing, he'll probably dial back or readjust or see what he does. And, um, I think it's an interesting approach. And- yeah,
1: I, th- I think it's interesting as well. And uh, the, like, the only reason, so naturally, as a person, I'd be very hesitant of that kind of approach in any other kind of medium. But we're in, like you know, a world in which we live in a fucking bubble in which we're trading JPEGs. So him taking that approach doesn't really bother me that much. You know. Yeah. If he was a doctor, I'd have a bit of a problem with it.
0: <laughs> so today we're gonna fuck around with this dude. <laughs> uh- yeah,
1: or a politician. Uh, you know what? Yeah. You know. <laughs>
0: But I think, yeah, so at the end of the day, he I talked to him about more about like the deeper implications of what he wants to do. And there was an interesting part about genuinely communities and how he believes that we have a chance to create a system where people are a lot more supportive of each other, where people can align under the same culture around like similar beliefs and just a genuine and he he referred a lot to COVID where everyone was separated and people tried to find those communities. Yeah, to, like, that's be right. Part of yeah, exactly. Yeah, he yeah, so yeah. was mentioning that, and I thought it was pretty cool. I think the the only thing that I have that I've criticized him for, and I'll, I'll do it here and I do it in the DMs as well, is um is that I feel like he's done more, in a sense, well, directly destructive work than constructive work. But maybe as time goes by, I think one of the things that I told him in typical like saying is the you need to break eggs to make an omelet, right?
1: Yeah, but you know. I mean, this is just again personally. I've never been a fan of that that, that phrase. Yeah. And you know, you can be. There's a there's a very thin line between disruptive and destructive. You know, and you want it like disruptive is fine, destructive is not. All right. Um, and unless you're trying to break something down to rebuild, that's a completely different conversation. Um, if you're just trying to break things to break them, then it's an attention thing, from my perspective. You know. Um. But yeah, I, I definitely think that it's important for people to have those conversations. I, for one, I'm, I, you know, I know, <laughs> I'm told on a fucking regular basis that you know, I'm one of the most contentious people here. So it's, it's not something that I, I, I don't have respect for because I think it has a place. I, it comes from a place of. Um, I said this to Boo a little while ago when we were talking about it. I have like, it it genuinely comes down to an obsessive thing with the Socratic approach where there is an element while, even though I have a great deal of, you know, personal preference for order is there's a, there's a fundamental value in questioning things at all times to such a degree that it becomes almost intolerable. Um, I think that's again where answers lie, where where you know, genius and understanding can can be found. So, it you know, being difficult and having difficult conversations and bringing up and, and and causing a ruckus, bruv, can actually can actually be quite constructive in its own right.
0: So, I guess in a certain sense, we could say that the more you fuck around, the more you find out.
1: Yes, yes. There's Pretty always much. a consequence. <laughs> uh, Schlock, had to kill himself. So,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, fair point. I, I think I'd probably need to learn a bit more about Greek uh, philosophy. <laughs>
1: but, yeah, I could spend hours, but let's not do, <laughs> let's not do
0: that. <laughs> fair enough. I think I have the like light foundation for Socrates, but anyways. that being said. <laughs> yeah. So you've been working on Ministry of Art for quite a while now, right? Yeah. yeah Completely true. different topic. Mm-hmm. Um, why make the Underground Royal Society and mm-hmm. Ministry of Art.
1: Um, well, it wasn't. It wasn't a thing of like ones. Okay, so for okay, all right. Let me try and figure out how to, which way to approach this. Let me approach it from the from the front to the back. So they're not mutually uh, like exclusive. They're part. They're part and parcel. Okay, they're they're, they're one was born out of the other. Uh, there are they are. Um, they're intrinsic to each other. They work hand in hand. Um, it's a thing of understanding people's strengths and where the space is headed. So when we make when we made the underground, well, I didn't. I mean, let's put this. You know, the, all the credit goes to Charlie and Naomi for the idea and for the original work that they did. Um, they just brought me on board to help steer the ship. But in with regards to like the collective and the project in and of itself you know it it the collective is still there it's still doing its job we've just um we spent some time reworking and you know coming up with ideas to to adapt because this is the key element i think that's really important there's a weird dichotomy with this space that doesn't make sense but when you kind of find, finally come to terms with it it you know things will click into into places that you have to be a very adaptable but you also have to be in, extremely consistent um and while those things might seem at, at odds, they really aren't um and so you know with regards to <clears throat> the u r s that's something that we wanted we wanted to do so we've had some we've done some changes recently to make it more applicable to the change in the market in the ecosystem as things move forward, so it's still the artist' collective. The project side of it is something that's kind of evolving into something else, which is uh, another project called Muses, which we're working on quietly in the background. Um, ministry was something that we that we saw was, was needed in terms of m- like what I can offer, what we can offer as a group to the artists within the ecosystem, and not just in terms of the agency and the consultancy, but also in terms of the example, and also in terms of a home uh, and a place that people you know a, a, a place that people can 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 congregate and also rely on through through all ups and downs of this of this you know very difficult and and very <laughs> uh, temperamental ecosystem until it gets to the point where it becomes more stable, which we all I think believe is going to happen um and you know at that point we hope we're going to be in a place where we're going to be one of those cornerstones of the one of one space within the digital art movement so to me it was like a necessity like you you know uh both in terms of scale in terms of growth and also in terms of like um like what i what i want to do what i think we what the potential is of what we can do um not just in terms of a business, but also in terms of a group in terms of as a collective, um, and a community. So yeah, it was, it was a necessity. It was something that I think, cause this is the other thing. Branding is a specialty of mine. So, you know, it's very important for, for people to understand and, and to know exactly like what things represent. So it would have been difficult to just kind of keep all of that under just the URS when the URS was a collective and a project, you know, um, expanding into numerous different businesses is something that that we want to do and we're going to do starting this year
0: okay awesome i mean i think ministry of art i i minted it. i still have the mint um and i don't know i haven't managed to like be very active within it not that i'm active within any nfc discord at the end of the day <laughs> i'm terrible at that um <laughs> but I think it's, I, I like the concept. I haven't, the idea was really cool to me. Like I was, then there was, you guys had a London event planned, if I remember well.
1: Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, we weren't able to pull that off due to conditions and, and things yeah. that happened surrounding them. But you know, there is, the, again, different. that's the nature of the market. It's the nature of these things that happen here and you have to adapt and, 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 and try and figure out uh, the way forward. And you know, that's, I think something that's also really important what I was talking about, the consistency um you know there's no way in hell that the that, that we as a team are going to give up on what we're doing here you know it's kind of a it, it not necessarily in terms of the the actual value but it is definitely a kind of ride to zero mentality in what we're trying to build you know
0: yeah does volatile, i think volatility of course affects like the company side itself and the project side but how much of an impact does it have on on artists within the space
1: Mm. massive yeah. um, it's I think I haven't actually really thought about the percentage but for sure with regards to my day and my work um, on a one to one with artists whether they be and this is again something I kind of need to impress like obviously my priorities are the artists in the ministry and then after that the artists are in the US but I also give my time to artists who aren't you know who are new to the ecosystem who you know might have got in contact with me that needs some kind of advice and the same thing comes up and the same the same problems and the same stresses and the same worries especially when when shit goes south um you know it's i think it's it's one of the most difficult aspects because like you know to a degree i get to i get stuck in a hard position when things are fine, the only war that I'm waging is the one with people outside of the ecosystem. I'm trying to convince of what we're doing here when things are not doing well, I'm waging a war on two fronts trying to convince artists and people and, you know, that it's still worth their time that, you know, this is these, these difficulties happen regardless of a market or an ecosystem. These things happen in history. They happen in, in the world. They happen in everything, you know? I mean, Uh, I I don't want to give any kind of like ridiculous examples, but they do. They really do across the board. It just takes time to kind of let that sink in and then kind of roll with those punches. It's a difficult thing, and it's something that I think artists... One of the reasons why we thought ministry was important is because these are the kind of problems that artists have never really had to worry about before. If they had, um, it's usually been exorbitant in terms of what they've had to sacrifice. Um, And you know, now with this kind of open market and a bit and availability for artists to kind of sell their work, it becomes a difficult thing because they encounter, you know, I was mentioning this in another conversation. There's like a sacrifice. There's like a, a, an equilibrium that's, that's, that's found where at first the artist might find it difficult to even get anyone to see their work. They might come from a little village in the middle of nowhere. And the people who might give a shit or buy their work would be their friends. How the hell are they going to get in front of a gallery or or a consumer? Well, now that's been removed. Now you have this open space in which you can digitize your work and you can find that collector. But hang on, how can you find that collector? Can you even find that collector? You're now in a saturated market in which people are, are all vying for that kind of visibility. How do you handle that? Do you understand the nature of the market in and of itself? You know, all of these kind of things become new obstacles, if you want to call them um and you know i think it's it's difficult because i think uh, just people in general don't really have much wherewithal when it comes to some of these subjects um they kind of just you know let the world carry them along and an artist should be concerned with their art shouldn't be fucking concerned with the taxes shouldn't be concerned with the volatility of the market you know these are the kind of things that i think kind of detract from their time doing what they should be doing you know pursuing their creative endeavors so you know when it comes to that volatility, it's definitely i think one of the biggest uh, um, worries with regards to the artists in the one of one space for sure, how to price their work, you know you know whether collectors are around you know it's uh, it becomes difficult
0: yeah, you mentioned the fact that the artists have to focus that you think they have to focus on their creativity more than well all the other like slew of things that you have to deal with in real life and even more in, like, crypto. Um, what I was talking about with the Jords about this the other time was something along the lines of, I think, well, let's, let's leave that aside and just I'm going to get a better way to ask the question. It's if you take, for example, Gen Poet, right? Yep. Been very successful artist. Uh, all of that with, like, art made with the, what's the name of the machine? sorry Brian. telegram there it is right. thank you <laughs> yeah I'm um, <laughs> it seems like it's been like a lot of i think it would be a lot of marketing right and there might be other artists that are i mean art at the end of the day is very subjective right but how much do you think that like marketing side is important to be able to do as an artist and do you think that's the part that's like that actually should be important or do you think it goes to a certain extent to be unfair to those who don't want to focus on that, who don't have a particular like
1: talent at that and all of that realm? Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah, I've had this, um, conversation with George, actually in, uh, he asked me something similar in, in the Boo con- uh, podcast, but it was, and it was, it was a, it was a difficult question then. Um, but he was asking it more from a subjective standpoint, right? In terms of what like I look for or what we kind of look for in terms of like uh, uh, as the ministry, what we look for as an an artist. Um, Okay. So from an objective standpoint, it's vital. It's absolutely vital. The way that this market is, is built at the moment, whether that be for good or for bad is most of the marketing happens on Twitter And most of the discovery happens there and then on homepages of marketplaces, right? Whatever kind of rigmarole goes in between you trying to get on the homepages of of marketplaces, there's the Twitter aspect. There's the social media marketing aspect, right? Uh, So it's vital. One of my jobs for the past, you know, seven to 10 years was uh, from the inception of social media marketing, showing brands how to navigate Um, that space and understand it on a psychological level um, without being (coughs) too manipulative, because this is something that also I think uh, that I'm going to bring this up because it might not seem relevant, but it really is Um, something that I think because it's the classic, you know, uh, thing you take a corporation or a company, it's got all of the psychological traits of a psychopath. They're not paying attention. They don't have a natural inclination for empathy towards The consumer. Right. And one of the things that social media changed about that from the very beginning was that first and foremost, you know, generations that have come, you know, afterwards are, are far more savvy to those kinds of things. And being sold in a certain way just simply doesn't work. And so certain things needed to be pressed upon. Right. Certain certain things needed to be understood. The actual social media companies used it in a far more manipulative way by by you know searching through that data and, and, and really scrubbing it and looking for those like kind of key tells. But there are ways in which you can figure those things out from a psychological perspective that are fairly easy, right? And that is basically understanding who you this is like classic cliche shit, who your target audiences and who the fuck you are whether it be a brand or whether it be an artist or whether it be a, uh, uh, an individual, whatever it is, having those two, once you get those two, everything you build on top of that is pretty easy to kind of plug in, right? And as markets and spaces, especially in social media, become more saturated, how you you fit within that that jigsaw puzzle is very important. And this space is probably the most, I mean, I can't honestly think of anything that's more social media orientated because it's been birthed out of a generation and out of technology that's kind of entirely internet orientated. And so from that, you have to look at it in the sense of, well, you know, everything here is going to be be focused on that. So how do you cut through all of that noise? That's where I think it's very difficult to kind of label and go, right, because poet poets a very interesting example right because you could from one perspective you could say it's work ethic it's just work ethic okay but from another perspective you could say it's the luck of of uh, of you know people who are who are looking for like volatility they're looking for the potentiality of of a return okay it could be any, any maybe it's a, it's a number of those variables all co- kind of coinciding at the same time right um For me, with regards to like a one-of-one artist, I can't draw a line, but I can say that there's a huge amount of fucking luck, there's a huge amount of fucking work, but there's also a huge amount of understanding who you are as an artist. And a lot of that stuff shouldn't actually be the primary, like the priority of what an artist should be concerned with. Their concern should be their art. Because for me, you kind of work your way back. That art will then inform who the fuck they are. That will inform who, what, how, 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 that should be placed, and who they are as a brand, which are things that most artists are not want. They don't want to be concerned with. They certainly don't want to look at themselves as a fucking quote unquote brand. Okay, that's something that kind of, I certainly find from a subjective standpoint, a lot of anecdotally, artists are not are not fond of that. But you have to see yourself that way in in this world, let alone in this space. So, you know, it's a difficult one. Because I will do nothing but encourage my artists, the artists in the ministry, to be nothing but themselves and to explore as much as possible and to, you know, engage with their creative side wherever it will take them. But there's also an element of me that wants them that wants to build a structure that allows them to be sellable. I hate to use the term, but yeah. That's kind
0: of is the term, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So a lot of talk about what at the end of the day is identity. How much of the of uh, the identity and I think this is this applies to artists but also to basically anyone who's trying to build a brand as like an individual. How much of the identity that you pass through the brand should be a part of your own personal identity? Like what are the how do these mesh together basically?
1: That's a case by case thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's that purely a, it's purely a case by case thing. It it doesn't it can't. It, there's no one size fits all for that kind of thing. Yeah, it's literally one by one. It, it only works in a certain way because uh, this is the thing. People, the people and artists, you know, are artists. They're temperamental. They have different, you know, uh, aspects of their personality that, that they either you know put put them in a certain environment and they thrive. Put them in another environment and they don't. So you know there's a lot of kind of understanding of that that goes into managing what would be their brand quote unquote Um, because the person and the work informs that you don't create like, I'm I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of inventing something or creating some kind of false. That's not how it's going to work. That's not what people are going to buy into. That's that psychological thing I'm talking about that companies and brands like, you know, uh, lost track of for a very long time um yeah i think it's very important a very important for artists in the space to be in touch with who the fuck they are and let that art and you know their work inform that
0: isn't it i mean this this is mostly coming from my own personal side and maybe it doesn't apply to to many more people but i think it does isn't it complicated as as a person and as an artist to kind of find who that <clears throat> Who you are and that identity that you have?
1: You'd have to ask an artist. Fair enough. <laughs> I can't. I can't answer that question yeah. because you know the only understanding I have of art is is a different form of art than than what we partake in here. So I can't. I couldn't answer that.
0: What form of art is that?
1: A drama. Okay, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. But does that? Are there the same? Implications of identity in that, to a certain extent.
1: Um, that's a difficult one. I mean, it depends. Again, I'd say that's case by case. For me, as a human being, I, I, I it's the loss of identity. Is like a, it's like a 50 you, 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 the intention is to lose your identity because you're trying to not only exhibit but in, in inhabit, like you know to be another person in, in terms of the reaction, the reactional state. So that kind of means removing yourself, but there's accounts for that in terms of that. You can only inform that with your own experiences of those things. So, you know, I don't know. It's um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't equate it. Like this is something I've had this conversation numerous times. Like, I, I, like I don't, I don't think like, Drama like sits above any other art form I just think it sits uh, so far apart that it it's not s- simple to equate
0: okay yeah uh, I think identity is always in I think it's always a very interesting topic and a complicated one most likely yeah <laughs> very very very
2: complicated one yeah.
0: and so ministry of art at the end of the day does it what was the like because I think you mentioned that that you saw it as a necessity but did you have an is there like an underlying purpose that you're really looking forward to go to whether it be like how would you actually formulate what that purpose is
1: yeah um it's you know the funny thing is it depends on how you would want to kind of from what perspective you would kind of look at it? I mean, if I, I was just having this conversation literally like an hour ago. In but it was like I've tried to say this before. The thing that's interesting about ministry, there's a classic adage where it's like, you know, if you can't say it in one sentence, then maybe it's you know too complex. Well, yeah, it is too complex. It is difficult to say in one sentence because what we want to encompass is much bigger than just one sentence. Um. Like you know, I, I I half joke with with Naomi about these things every now and again, but like you know, I I, I genuinely see one of our long term goals, like you know, past ten years, five to ten years, is to have like an art school, you know, something that 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 encourages and helps build up artists from a young age all the way through to to their career. You know, there's obviously versions of that, but. I'm, you know, I'm talking about something that that's a bit different. You know, I've I went to performing arts school. I went on oh, uh, numerous different types, um, and you know, there's, there's some of them. Some of them had certain approaches, and some of them had different approaches. And there's certain approaches I think would work. And then as a business, again, I see I can see it encompassing so much of what's about to happen within this ecosystem over the next, you know, just three to five years um yeah i'm excited that there's things i can't talk about in the space that's that's you know there's i can allude to them but i don't i'm also this is the other thing right i'm just gonna make this really fucking clear i hate the hyperbole movement shit okay i hate the idea you know, I've danced with it once or twice simply because of the marketing aspect of it, but I fucking hate it. The idea of like, ooh, there's some shit going on. Like, I mean, he just is uh, an announcement of an announcement of an announcement of some shit that might be happening. I'm not, just not going to fucking do that. There's something suck- right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's things that we are doing that aren't even a potentiality. they are things that we are doing, but I'm just not going to talk about them until they're important to talk about. You know?
0: yeah fair enough <laughs> i mean at the end of the day it's like of course there are things that you have to keep like to your like in your own hand and and you don't want to end up saying something that doesn't actually happen so obviously depends on who who we're talking about some people don't have that same approach but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: quite a few not, people uh, don't have that same approach but you know not to name any names but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh,
0: I think there's another project, a similar one that we've talked about, that is back at it again with delays.
1: <laughs> but, anyways. Yeah. Well listen, you know, delays delays happen, man. You know they're, they're like, normal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can't blame everyone for the yeah, way think, the way shit goes.
0: Well, one hundred percent. There's a balance to get there and it's uh well, it's fair. But anyways, I don't have an old project, so uh, what, <laughs> what can I say about it at the end of the day? Uh <laughs> So yeah, with all that being said, what do you what has I imagine that Ministry of Art is now Ministry of Art your uh is now basically your full-time job, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. That's what I spend my days doing. Yeah.
0: What motivated the I mean, I'm gonna say transition, but maybe there wasn't much of a transition, but how did you move from whatever you're doing before into actually having that job and committing to to like web three?
1: The um well all right, f- first and foremost um if i'm really honest it, it had come to a point where i had i was not interested so at the beginning it was f- a lot of fun okay and my days were spent with and this is before like again quote unquote the influencer thing my days were spent with you know now, people who are, you know, got millions of followers and stuff, influencers and going out and doing photo shoots, filming stuff, because, you know, I did that for a long time as well. And, like, connecting the dots between these people and the brands that I would get contracts with. Now, that was fun. It was enjoyable. It was something that I transitioned out of after the businesses that I'd ran before. And it was something that allowed me to, you know, basically start up something new and be part of, again, a new emerging market. There was a point where it started to run its course, where I had just started to get sick of, for want of a better word, being ahead of the curve and and telling the brands of the companies, this is what they should be doing. Two years down the line, I go to a conference, fucking God knows where, and they're announcing this is what they're doing later than, than than they should be and it just became very tiresome it became very like you know just just from that one perspective that was something that was difficult because whenever there was you know what are your recommendations you know you, you're the expert i give the recommendations no more fucking listens right i'm talking about tiktok to them in terms of like you know an example talking about tiktok to them um uh two years before it, f- it flies off simply because i'm seeing how many uh, so adults were on there, but they were only watching their kids. This was at the time. So a bunch of parents were on TikTok, but the only reason they were on TikTok is because they were watching their kids to see what they were doing. So that's just a latent market that would be easy for accessible. You've got a bunch of adults there that you could grab early. All of a sudden, two years later, two, three years later, motherfuckers are trying to do it then. They're late. They're late to the party. That was getting very tiresome to me, um, having to deal with that. The other thing was it just wasn't enjoyable anymore it it wasn't in terms of like actually going out and dealing with these people because at the beginning before people have millions of followers you know it's fine then it becomes a whole different ball game and it just turns into this kind of machine and like watching it go from like you know relatively small thing to like these huge fucking events uh, millions and millions of pounds being spent you know and don't don't get like one of my best friends in the world she's a major influencer she makes absolute fucking bank off what she does and she she goes all around the world and and looks like she lives a great life talk to her for five minutes she fucking hates it she fucking hates it and here's the thing she's not an idiot i think that's one of the key elements she's not stupid she doesn't just she isn't just happy with the idea of living in a hotel she you know she wants a little bit more from life so she fucking hates it but she's seen it it became an opportunity it was an opportunity that turned into a genuine career and it's what she does and we've both kind of felt into the same place where it's like kind of done with this you know and 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 this space came around almost at the perfect time because i'd already got to that point also after covid and the impact that it had on 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 the specific you know uh market that i was working in um there was a massive influx of competitor brands Um, and then also a massive fall off in spending so like at the beginning of covid everything skyrocketed in terms of spending and then it all collapsed and during that time you had a bunch of you know um uh, new brands came in and then they all collapsed that came right after a few survived and it just made the market very very difficult and i'm i it went from being a person who's in charge of marketing branding and stuff to being someone who's like helping with you know uh, st- the the strategy of, of of the business and again that was also if i this it wasn't my company these weren't my companies i'm not going to do that for for things that aren't my company you know so it just kind of all coincided at the right time
0: that sounds fairly smooth at the end of the day i think some people have had to like really face a choice of like am i going to do this or not but this was like a fairly like smooth it must have made sense at the time right
1: yeah for sure at the time and the, the other thing is this is that, you know I'm in, a, I'm in an extremely privileged and lucky position i'm not i don't have to um like you know i'm not like you know tomorrow i quit my job and i'm now running into the street having to chase after a job right so you know due to Due to things like that, it's allowed me to kind of dedicate myself to this. But don't get me wrong; I'm in a, you know, I'm in a particular position right now where I'm I'm literally like liquidating all of my property assets just so I can put myself in a position that is more tenable, right? So I can dedicate myself to this the way I want to. Because at the end of the day, regardless of 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 you know what I do and stuff, at the end of the day, this this space and this market isn't the most um, profitable right now you know so I'm not gonna like I said I've dedicated myself to to this and the artists 100% and I'm not turning back anytime soon it's not gonna happen
0: uh, admirable position I'd say um, is it lucky just lucky. Yeah, also also lucky I think I'd, I'd still argue that it's in both directions because you have the luck to be in that position but you're not you're not you're actually going all in for it and it's not only maybe I'm wrong here, but it's not it's not from a purely selfish standpoint. On the contrary, right? It's for artists and it's to build this platform that would help potentially a lot more people than just
1: your finances, right? Yes. So Yes. Yeah. Well, and I mean obviously it'd be nice to 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 make my finances. And yeah. larger, <laughs> but that's it's context, always isn't a nice thing for just we're all here. We're all here to to create work for ourselves. Okay, that's that's what we're doing here. I mean, I'm I'm not here to to fuck around. Let me put it that way. Yeah, of course.
0: So, have you managed? Because a lot of people in corporate jobs, I think, and I I say this just from the experience of people that I know around me, have had trouble finding a certain balance between the work that they have. From all the stress, like the nine to five, or or worse than nine to five, and all of that with real life, have you managed to get that and side activities, hobbies, all of these things?
1: Um, (laughs) I don't sleep, (laughs) bro. Nice. (laughs) So you know, I do, but I just I I don't sleep a lot. I got to bed extraordinarily late. Um, like my work life balance is never been normal. Okay. It's never been, it's never been normal. And I think, okay, so I have to really give a huge amount of praise to my wife here. I have never had an issue with her about this because she has understood my mind from the very beginning that if I am working towards something, it's for whose benefit? Everyone's. And if we're together, it's going to be for our benefit regardless so me working and me doing what I need to do, <clears throat> she understands that. I also, um, you know, I'm not a maniac. Um, okay, she just kind of looked at me like you're you're lying, but I, I mean it in the sense of <laughs> I just mean it in the sense of uh, I'm not a maniac. Is in like a workaholic. So my my mother is a good example. She is a machine she lives to work she loves it it's, she she lives for it she wakes up breathing work <laughs> you know she's just recently retired and i can tell that she's antsy about it because she's like i need some shit to do um <clears throat> i'm not i'm not i'm not similar to her in that way where it's like i don't breathe for work but i do love what i do i do love the job that i'm working at and i don't i you know i can't i don't think i could i can't see myself without a sense of purpose I think that's a, a. I definitely can't see myself as a wastrel, um. So yeah, it's not. I don't think it's ever been really an issue. If it was an issue, it would have been an issue in 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 the relationship. But she's been extraordinarily accommodating of the fact that I'm, you know, I'm somewhat different. I mean, everything that I've ever done has always been independent. I mean, I, my businesses—they're all, you know, I all started off my own back. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So there's a lot you kind of have to put up with. <laughs> If you're if you you're with me, and funny enough, that's my mom. is so that's where I am similar in that way. So, I've grown up having to like live with that kind of compromise. So I kind of I think I maybe um, expect it subconsciously.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah, so much goes on to the. The work-life balance, at the end of the day, it's where you feel most comfortable, right? Yeah. And where it can work with the people around you, obviously. But very lucky to have someone that can, like, move forward with all of that, obviously.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to be honest. This is still, you know, aside from the fact that she's amazing, like, one of the reasons I married her is because she puts up with my shit, bro. I mean, like, like, this is literally... <laughs> It was literally like, you know, on the document, it was like, can you put up with my shit? She was like, I'll try. you know.
0: <laughs> Saying all this because she's in the same room or? No, no, no. It was actually part of our vows. Will you put Holy up shit. with my
1: shit for the rest of us? Like, yes, I'll put up with your shit. Maybe. I can imagine that in the middle of the church room. <laughs> yeah, I was very, very close to broving during the vows, but I decided not to. Just, just, just out of respect the parents, I was so close,
0: bro. I was really close. Oh, that would have been a beautiful, uh, a beautiful little <laughs> touch to the wedding. I
1: do, bro. Uh, <laughs> you can take a sip. I do, bruv. Yes, I do. Oh, <laughs> the shock on the. <laughs> it would have been even more applicable because her brother was actually doing the ceremony. So it's like, bro, uh, yeah, it makes sense. But yeah, I didn't. Uh, do that's, it really. that's awesome that her brother was doing the ceremony. Mm. So I am.
0: I say this because I'm gonna be doing the ceremony for my sister in like a couple
1: months. Well hey, well like <laughs> so, yeah. I hope you're looking forward to it. You sound like you're intimidated.
0: Uh a bit. <laughs> Fuck yeah, a bit. But I'm very much looking forward to it, you know. It's like I'm the little brother, so
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah, I'm uh it's I, I know my sister and I know she expects something great and I hope like with all my heart that'll be the best it can be. But
1: yeah. I'm, stupid I'm also, intimidated. A great also intimidated because it's the first wedding I go to is this the first wedding you've ever been to yeah yeah, yeah. but the end shit it's like fucking half an hour of, of of some nonsense, and then everyone gets drunk. awesome
0: <laughs> I look forward to the second part <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay, but okay, so with all the work with if you have work that much and you have your wife that like puts up with all that shit, have you had like has it been complicated to handle like other relationships with like friends or the rest of family, all of that?
1: Um, no. Oh, no. Again, I'm just very lucky. I'm because I'm you know I've never. You think I don't sleep now? No, I never really slept, bro. I've always been the way I am. You know, my mum has always found it difficult to get in contact with me. You know, I'm just. I am. The, I am. I'm not. There's not much has changed. I'm just less angry. Right, <laughs> like I'm pretty much the same person. Okay, that's a lie. I'm completely different. Um, it's yeah, no, I just yeah. There's there's elements of of like these kinds of things that happen as you get older. Like with regards to my mates, like we're like married and shit, got kids, live in different countries, are in jail, are dead. <laughs> it's like they're not right. <laughs> you from zero to hundred. <laughs> they're not. You know, it's it's just it's kind of just the way things are. What's funny is that the way that this the people in this space have become kind of like my new family and new best friends. I mean, I mean, I say this all the time, but generally, this is something that I find really fucking weird. It's like you know, like Naomi and I have become best friends. Like, I don't let anyone in, right? I don't let fucking anyone in. Um, and neither does she? And yet we found each other in this space and kind of, you know, led to this perfect kind of working relationship, which also involves a lot of insults and, uh, you know, derogatory comments, which I love, which is really what, what, what is the foundation of our relationship. Um, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's one of the best things about the space is finding the people here. Like, you know, I now count pretty much, most of people in this room is like my best friends yeah. and people who I love dearly. So, you yeah. know, yeah. it's pretty remarkable how they've kind of replaced my other mates.
0: Okay. And there's no, think the way you say that, a lot of people would probably say, oh, that's kind of sad that
1: you maybe lose your mates. So oh, a wait, wait, wait. I don't mean it. that any fucking replace okay. lose. Okay, them. okay come on now, bro. Like, it'd be like there'd be no one sure. at the fucking wedding. now, bro. Although to be <laughs> honest, I did cut out a load of people for my wedding just to allow CT motherfuckers oh. to sign up. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not like that. Life just, it just kind of turns out that way. There's, there's a lot of my, I still stay in contact, but you see, we stay in contact in a different way now. Um, I don't think a lot of my friends were much, there's only maybe three or four of them where we get on the phone and then we're on for like five hours. right? Um, and it's like whether we meet up or whether we talk. Almost everyone else, is just a message breath. It's like you know what's going on, or, or you'll see them <coughs> going to like a big event where everyone's together. That could be a wedding, that could be a birthday, that could be you know whatever. I have a bag of friends breath. Like I have a lot, like a, a huge network of friends. But I don't. Who has the fucking time, especially to yeah, get older? Okay. You know, it just you know. And now I'm spending all my time with this space and and the people here. It's like yeah, it's just. It's uh, stuff. <laughs> it doesn't get easier. That's for sure. You
0: know. Fair. I think. I mean, I. I kind of. I'd be a bit. I'd probably be a bit sad because I'm still at a stage in life where I'm talking to a lot of. Friends. I see my friends on a daily basis, right? Just because we go to the same fucking classes. Um, when I actually attend them. Um. But yeah, I, I don't necessarily look forward to that I'll, okay so let, all right, let, it, let
1: me burst your bubble then fuck that I'm hit me. Burst your bubble, right? <laughs> so that's beautiful fucking continue and enjoy it because it's fucking some of the best times of your life right? i look back I on all of that shit fondly but do you think that shit's got like legs you think you're gonna have the no. same co- you think your conversations are gonna like you know, evolve into something grandiose and brand new over 10 years, motherfucker, you're going to be talking about the same shit, okay? Right? So if you're the kind of person who grows, progresses, moves forward, evolves, tries to, you know, scale yourself, both as a person uh, in business and in life, and your friends aren't, you're going to find it very easy and it ain't going to be too upsetting to take a step away. Believe me when I say that. Okay, so uh-huh. it's perspective. It's just where you are. It's fine I'd, if I I'd have said exactly the same thing as you. But trust me, you're not going to – it's not sad. The only things that are sad are the natural tragedies of life, okay, which whatever they may be. Those, those are sad. That's fine. Be sad about it. But it, it also is an opportunity for you to grow and learn, to appreciate the, you know, whoever's in, in your life at that given moment. It's one of the things that's informed my relationships here with the people that I've become friends with and love um so you know it's not trust me bro it's not it's not as um depressing as it sounds
0: bouncing back on that is there any such natural tragedy or, or event in your life that has really taught you a lesson and changed your perspective on something or has it always been kind of a similar view and just dealing with it however you do deal with it
1: yeah um yeah it's a boring answer to be honest it it happened so early and it's happened so regularly that to me it's just all it's ever done is reinforce my kind of belief system into what like you know the nature of life is uh, there's never been i when it you know i think when it first had an impact when it first before I even knew what the fucking thing was happening, you know, how am I meant to compute that when I did again, how am I meant to compute that? There's no kind of real conversation happening between me and my parents. And then at any given moment after that, it's again just the onus is on me. So I have to kind of unpack it, right? And I'm on my own. I've only, you know, only child. I don't have siblings. Um, And again, when you're young, you don't really converse about these things. So it's just unpack. And every time it was just more of validation of the things that I was already sure about. So I wouldn't say there's one particular event it doesn't get easier and the shock doesn't change that's for sure um it doesn't matter what those strategies are it doesn't matter what they are like none none of it the only thing that gets the only thing you can do is get stronger doesn't make it easier but you can get stronger um yeah but that's a byproduct yeah no i can't think of a single one single point the 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 Genuinely, I can't think of one single point. I can think of books. <laughs> oh, I agree with that then. Um, well, I read The Alchemist at like twenty, okay. and when you're twenty and you read The Alchemist, and if you're reading it purely like with an open mind, and and you genuinely have just kind of come across this book, um, it will change your shit, bro. Um. Yeah, Marcus really submitted. Like, bro, listen, let's not do this. The list, I, again, I don't want to do this. So it'll be too long. But the point is, is that I can think, those are the things that will stick out in my mind when it's like, what has changed your life? I'll think of like, art, oh, films, books. Um, those are the things that usually have turning points because they have such an impact on me and my mental state and how I view certain things that they will change me going forward. Funny enough, okay. not a huge amount of life experiences have done that. I've been in some <laughs> fucked up situations, where... <laughs> Right. So,
0: what? Uh, I think maybe I'm confusing with someone else. But were you the one who tweeted uh, a thread of like your top movies or something? Yeah, that
1: was me. Yeah, that was yeah. a pretty extensive thread. It was uh, a lot I, of movies. I slimmed it down, <laughs> <laughs> Right. You know, there was some films I left off there as well because I couldn't be asked with the argument because I just had a feeling that people would just be like, "What." Really? Yeah. Um yeah, no that was yeah. Is it The Alchemist by
0: Paulo Coelho? Coelho. Yeah, Paulo okay. Coelho. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to try to pronounce that
1: cuz I'm going to get it wrong. yeah He's from Brazil. I <laughs> think he's Bra- yeah, yeah. he's Brazilian if I'm not mistaken. He's written yeah. a number of magnificent books, Man of the Warrior of the Light. Um Veronica decides to die. One of my favorites is The Fifth is The Fifth Mountain. Is it The Fifth Mountain? The second... Yeah, it's, it's basically... He does. I think he does the story of his legal. It's fantastic. He's, he's a fantastic writer. Um, well, yeah, I recommend him, for sure. I was
0: muted. Uh, are you a big reader even now? Or has it been on-off?
1: No. I mean, oh, okay. I haven't had much time recently to read because of just life stuff. But yeah, yeah, I've, I've read voraciously since I was young.
0: Okay. That's pretty cool. And so what's the alchemist
1: about? (laughs) I'm I'm interested right now. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Okay. So to give context, I think the reason why it hit me so hard is just because I related and you can't really, it's not going to have the impact if you don't relate, Uh, but it's about manifest destiny and the difference between the two. It's about the difference between the two and understanding um that difference. I think most people don't understand that difference.
0: Wait, the difference between the two manifest destiny and
1: And just destiny. Oh. Out of your hands basically. Oh okay. Um so fate, if you will. Um Yeah. It's 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 a it's a pretty fucking great it's just a book about a little boy. That's really all it is. But you know, that little boy kind of incomp in, in, encapsulates everyone and i think that's it's kind of the metaphor of the story also it does help if you have a little bit of biblical knowledge beforehand but you don't have to okay
0: yeah i've uh don't have the most extensive biblical knowledge but somewhat like, i had a very religious teacher at one point and he liked talking about the bible oh, fuck load uh great teacher though yeah, I mean, he,
1: he brings up a couple of like pretty obscure things, like Urim and Thurim, two like stones of destiny, that live in the breastplate of Melchizedek, and that's in the Bible. But you're not going to fucking know that unless you read it. Uh, you yeah. know, he kind of references it, and it's a bit like, "What the fuck is this dude talking about?" Yeah.
0: Okay. Do you have a like a very maybe literature and culture oriented background? Because maybe I'm like maybe I just know a lot of uncultivated people, but. You seem to know a lot about maybe around literature and around when well, you were speaking about Greek uh, philosophy before. Not that many people are well-versed
1: in those areas. No, my mom couldn't give a fuck about it. Uh, she, <laughs> <I see. laughs> she, no, My, my mom is fascinated with lots of things, but she doesn't talk about them. She's just mainly interested in, interested in money. Um, my mom loves money. She loves business. She loves work. She loves money. Money is her favorite thing in the world. My dad is a cultural... Obsessive. He's the one that would talk. <laughs> he would talk at us, right? Because my mum had no fucking clue what he was talking about. And I certainly didn't. But, you know, and then he would also be talking at the television, you know. Well, okay, so let me correct that. He would be shouting at the television. Um, numerous different reasons, mostly to do with football. But occasionally, we would be like a cultural or an arts. There was a program, right? And I can never remember the name of it, but there was a program that we had in, in England. When I was very young, it was on late night, and there was like it was like a debate program, but it wasn't. It was like a bunch of people that would sit in a circle and chairs, smoking, basically very pretentious, <laughs> extremely pretentious kind of shit. It was actually quite a famous program because uh, a very famous British artist, Tracy Emin, once went on it pissed out of a fucking face just kind of taking the piss out of everyone on there for being pretentious cunts it was beautiful to watch um you know it was great it was wonderful um and yeah, like other people like oliver reed i think he was on it once drunk out of his face also telling everyone that they were pretentious pricks Uh, it was brilliant um yeah and it just kind of would sit around and my dad would watch it and i would be sitting like you know lying there kind of half asleep on the couch and he would just be like having a go at the television at the stupidity of people and then like genuinely trying to have a conversation the man's like referencing ancient history and philosophy and certain people and like no one can hear you bruv like you're just shouting at the television but you know it definitely had an impact I think my uh, my dad said to me when I was quite young he was like if you ever want to if you want to have like any value in this world you ever want to be able to have an argument with someone you need to read because if you open your mouth talking about something and you don't know what you're talking about you look worse than a coward you look stupid Um, yeah so that, that had a massive impact on me, you know. Because I never true. wanted to be a coward, so I was like, "Well, being stupid's worse." Okay. You
0: know? <laughs> I think my <laughs> interestingly enough, my dad has made the same, not maybe not the same, but similar comments about how that quote, no, that knowledge about history, that knowledge about um, just well a lot more about history, but also about just general culture, can really drive a lot of relationships and and how much of a not idiot you sound like, really
1: yeah i mean uh, that's something that's i think a byproduct i think that was something that he already knew was a byproduct of doing that learning but i think i think what he was trying to impress upon me was was um a couple of points but you that that you that things are much bigger than you you're not that important um that uh, through that understanding you'll understand that the stories of us have gone back so far and are so kind of beautiful and magnificent and like intricate and complex and difficult and cover all the kind of bases that you, so any kind of point in your life where you think you're having it difficult (laughs) (laughs) or, or, or like, you know, you're put upon, it really ain't shit compared to what some people have not only gone through, but also had to actually sit down and talk about and, and, and write about before there was therapists or penicillin or toilet roll. You know, it's like these are the kind of things I think it brings a lot into perspective for how you approach um both intellectual conversation and also how you how you deal with the, the world. I think is I think these are the kind of things that are really important.
0: Yeah. Um about the whole therapist thing, how much I don't really know how to like phrase this question, but I wanted something along the lines of Obviously, dealing with everything that you go through in life yeah. is a very personal experience. But for you, has it been more about a lot of that sharing process that you would see at a therapist? Or has it been more the process that you might see in, in the books that you've read where you didn't have that maybe a deeper understanding of people or more of an acceptance for emotion, I guess, if that makes sense? Maybe, I just, maybe I'm completely wrong with what I'm saying, but...
1: No, I think I get where you're going. I mean, in, in terms of a question, it's, um, it's an important one. But again, I think it's a case-by-case thing. Like for me, the, I, I, do, I would only be able to answer that I'm lucky because uh, uh, being you know, an actor and being trained as one since a very young age. So trying to examine people's psychology and the reasons for why things happen or why you do things, then coupled with history and philosophy, You get a lot of insight into why you think the way you think and the why you are the way you are. And I'm an only child again, so I've spent a lot of time having to think about these things. So, yeah, to me, it was just... This is, again, just for me. It was like a thing that I've had to break these these things down myself. And I've had to work them out myself.
0: Do you... Would you have... Is there a moment in your life, and what do you think now, like a moment where you would have said, "I'd like to have someone else to like deal this, like to deal with"? Uh, I'm like my
1: complete English is bugging out. I know you mean like what what you're going through, someone to talk it through with. Yeah, bro, I've loads exactly, of times, yeah. and it's happened, and I've done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm not okay. Oh, listen, I listen. Mean, While I may, you know, love the stoic thought processes. Yeah. it doesn't it's not you know what like communism it doesn't work it's a great idea <laughs> it don't really fucking work bro it's, you know stoicism is fantastic to kind of look at look at and go right this is a good way to look at your life but it doesn't it's not you're gonna you have to remove all emotion you'll have to remove all the kind of joys as well as the pains. so you know i don't it's not something that's applicable i've done it many times i've done it many many times it's why i think friends are some of the greatest things that could ever happen to a person you know um i've done it even with my parents you know there was a point where i never thought i was able to kind of like just open up and be like vulnerable because especially where my dad was breath being vulnerable you mad and then i did it once and he was great you know i was actually very surprised at how Accommodating and how wonderful he was as a listener and how empathetic he was. You know, he's actually done that twice. And the, you know, the reason it's so surprising is because he's such a fucking nightmare and he's been such a fucking maniac most of his life that when he did it and he did it at the right times, it meant so much to me. So no, I haven't. I have total understanding for that because I've had to. I've had to. I've had to ask for it myself. My wife's done it okay. numerous times. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. I, I get the part about like the when it matters a lot for uh, what coming from your father because similar stuff. I I don't pretend to like have had the same experience. Far from that, but I can I can relate to the idea of it meaning that much more when it's done at the right time.
1: Bruv, like my dad's right. So I'm a, I'm a mad sensitive dude. I will cry at the drop of a fucking hat, straight up. Like you put on a Disney film, I'm weeping. Disney my dad a sad man yeah straight up but my, my dad my dad is actually exactly the same, but he's not okay with it when it comes from anyone else, which is just such a mad hypocrisy and also just the nature of what he's like right he's just hes he, he doesn't he's not a fan of weakness, and so yeah when i when I did that like and it was in, from a genuine place of like I'm a bit fucked up here and I don't know what to do he did he did his job better than any dad could have ever done it, to be honest. So yeah,
0: fair enough, man. That's uh, that's pretty nice.
1: <laughs> that's what I mean. Lucky, bro. Very lucky.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's you mentioned being lucky a lot. I think it's really. I I like it when people like are aware of how lucky they are because I'm fairly surrounded with people who don't have that awareness, and. At one point, it's an. I, I hope you do get that awareness one day because there's so much luck involved in in some people's lives, and it's great, you know, like
1: much power do you to think like kids? And do you think that's yeah. a youth thing? Do you think it's an age thing, the people around you? The reason I think, why? It,
0: I think it it's part that and part just the experiences they've had in life and also a lot about the background, like the world that I'm in right now, because it is a university and it's uh, it's in Switzerland, man. Nothing's cheap here. So the people here are fairly wealthy and I've heard some things come out of some people's mouths and it's like, you, you didn't just say that. There's no fucking way you've just said that. And, uh, I don't know, hopefully one day there's that, they get the chance to have that perspective, but for now they don't. And, um,
1: yeah. Don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause it's I'm not your job to hold your breath. Like, yeah. It's not your job to hold your breath or to hold their hand To be honest. Nah, no. nah, yeah,
0: I mean I, I'm trying to get used to that especially because I think I'm happy with a lot of the relationships that I have but a couple of them and actually mainly in university which is kind of sad given I'm in university kind of like <laughs> ah well uh, let's just get through university be <laughs> <fine."> <laughs> but, yeah. one of the one of the guys saw like a building like a normal building where people live an apartment building mm. and it, this was in French but he goes the, the rough times is going to be like how do you manage to live in that place? Have some self-respect. I just looked at him and I'm like, dude,
1: are you stupid? Like, how? Yeah, you see, to me, that's not dude. that's that that's not that's not an ignorance thing. That's a character thing. Yeah, probably. That's a that's a thing in which someone has not not encountered any form of. I mean, I would assume not encountered any form of hardship or any kind of difficulty in their life. So they're gonna there's there's and here's the thing. There's second part of that is pure insecurity it's pure insecurity and this is just a trick i think everyone should learn when people say things like that they're saying it to themselves they're not talking to you even though they're saying it externally and there's a part of them that probably enjoys the repercussions or reactions they're saying it to themselves because of the insecurity like i've said this taboo a thousand times you can read more from a human being Literally between the lines of what they're saying and what they're trying to emphasize than anything else. Because it gives you a real insight into who they are and what they try to tell themselves every day. Because another insight that I've found over the years is that most people don't really like themselves. This is why we're social animals, because we don't really like to spend much time thinking about how fucked up we are. So we go out, we live our lives, we have fun, we do things. Those things are good. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm just saying it doesn't allow for a lot of introspection introspection is difficult facing our demons is hard people don't like to do it they'd rather just kind of dance through life without having to interact or do that tango so you know i think there's something to be said about when you encounter individuals like that you should probably feel sorry for them more than anything else
0: yeah the sentence of reading behind between the lines teaches you a lot more about people is has kind of shook me because I realized how true that is. It makes a lot of sense. I just realized, even in the things that I've been saying recently, and then I noticed that my friends noticed this, that I was saying it a bit too much. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> I realize what that says about me.
1: Yeah, I mean, people's <laughs> emphasis, usually, yeah. they usually they fall into one of two categories. It's usually because they're concerned with what people think, or they're concerned with what they think. And it's usually sure. the latter. So when people are being so, you know, it doesn't really matter. It could, it doesn't have to be as kind of negative and as throwaway and as ridiculous as what you gave as, as an example. It could be very subtle things. It gives you a very good insight into the the the, the person's character. It's something that I've I, I, I've done in every walk of life. Unfortunately, I mean, it's it's quite a cynical thing to say, but it's something I use as a measure of people's character because you know. It's not perfect but I'm I'm gener- generally able to tell what people's motivations are because they will fucking tell you. They will tell you because they're trying to tell themselves most of the time. Um, they're more interested in what they think, you know. That's the validation they want. When they want it, when they hear it from outside, when they hear it, that's obviously it's the benefit. A lot of people are chasing that. But that validation is validating what? What is the thing they're looking to validate? Their own perception, their own decision, their own excuse, their own idea of themselves fair enough
0: where is there did you have you have like a psychological background it doesn't seem like you have it was it from just like your experience in life and you
1: were mentioning drama as well yeah or bro read shakespeare, bro, <laughs> <free> shakespeare? Oh, <laughs> bro. shakespeare bro. i was reading shakespeare since i was five yeah it's just it's all right there um and okay. yeah watching people this is the other thing watching people like it's you know it's part of your job as an actor is to watch people also just to refer back to like my mum and dad they're great dynamic okay because they're very different people but they're also very similar and like the dynamic is as as they were as individuals together individually and then in family and then in like you know in social circles was fascinating to watch and learn from it taught me a lot about people
0: okay it's interesting how much you managed to to take away from that especially the drama and and the shakespeare i don't I, I have actually read shakespeare but i don't think i ever managed to to get as many lessons as i could get from it what did you read um let's see midsummer night's dream you ain't gonna learn shit from that okay fair enough um What's the name? Uh, Twilight or something like that? The one with the Twelfth boat that crashes. Twelve. No, oh,
1: um, um, the tempest. No. Tempest. tempest. There it is. Tempest yeah. will teach you a whole bag of shit, bro. Fuck. Oh <laughs> I my god. <laughs> tempest will teach you a whole bag of shit about religion, spirituality. Uh, again, here's the thing, right? I think when people have to do these things, this is something I really don't want to do. This, because I'm thinking, I'm just going to clear the room, but fuck it. it needs fuck to it no one cares, right? Shakespeare is is like it's like, uh, fucking, what's that mathematical thing that people do in in school that they don't fucking use, and everyone obsesses over. It, they find it really difficult. Trigonometry. Trigonometry, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> to, to people, right? <laughs> to people, it's the same fucking thing, right? Now, look, I get it. The language perfectly understandable because, in to some degrees, it is. A different language because language evolves and changes etc etc so it it sounds different it's difficult to kind of keep up with the fucking dude invented words (laughs) he didn't give a shit he would literally make up words if they thought if he thought they worked better so it's not like something you can follow easily at first fair enough i understand that but like music or math once you once you clock you know the the arithmetic the formula okay it's something totally different. And when you're taught it in school, you're taught it as part of a... Um, it's, you know, it's part... It's, it's it's like, it's curriculum. It's not... When we're doing it, we're doing it for, in a completely different way. We're not reading it. We're living it. We're acting it. We're trying to beat it as part of this, the lesson, bruv. We, we, you would have lessons in this, right? And you would explore to try and understand. And this is the other thing is that at different times in your life there are different characters different plays different stories within there that will resonate in a different manner and that will elicit different under, like feelings hamlet is like my favorite example of this because hamlet is the journey of man in the sense of all of every man every man who every like kind of problem dichotomy issue obstacle that they come up with in terms of the classic Okay, well, let's just talk about very specific things. So like the classic idea of a man is completely covered in Hamlet, front to back, at every point in your life. Literally, literally every point in your life. You can read it at 21 and you relate to this particular ideal that Hamlet is is expressing. You read it at 35. It's a different. You read it at 55. It's different. You read it at 70. uh, Now you're starting to relate to someone completely different. Like, all the way through it's Hamlet, and then all of a sudden it changes. King Lear, another really good example. Merchant of Venice, another really good example. Um, Like, even some, like, you know, my favorite Shakespeare play um, is a comedy, and I now can't fucking remember the the name of it, because I've had two glasses of wine, and I'm blaming you, Pedro. Um, It's brilliant, okay? It's, 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 It's a work of genius, but it isn't because it's funny it happens to be hilarious. It's because of the way it understands the characters and it gives you a timeless version of what love is. Okay. So like, yeah, it gives the idea of love in a romantic sense. Okay. Like the cliche, right. There's, there's many versions of that all the way back through ancient history. You can go literally all the way back to like books that aren't even books, bruv, that will talk to, talk to you about this kind of stuff. Um, but I'm like, there's aspects of love, that is covered in Shakespeare, that is so real that I haven't encountered it anywhere ex- except for possibly like modern filmmaking and movie making. There's arguments and jokes that I make with my wife that they're not informed by Shakespeare. There's moments where we bicker and banter in the same moment like as in, in the, it's, a, it's the same emotion but it's, it's two different sides of a coin. Like it's funny, I'm taking the piss. She's taking the piss. But there's also an element of, like, you're winding me up right now. He will get that in a fucking line. And if it's elicited correctly by, by an actor, you have now literally got a moment from life. Plug it out. Plug it in. You've got it in your brain, and now you understand what it is in that particular moment. Humans learn by emotional sensory. They sense things around them, but they also learn by mimicry, okay? So... Being a child actor, being a young actor, someone who saw it as in, like, this is something that I love and wanted to do, there's a whole lot that I was taking in from, thing, from specifically Shakespeare and what, it, what he was trying to say in terms of exploring people that I don't think you can really fucking get anywhere else, if I'm really honest. Honestly, I, don't, I, I, feel, I feel like Shakespeare, you could give you could give complete works to aliens and be like, look, if you want to know what we are, Take, take an hour, a couple of hours, bro. Go and read that and um, get back to me.
0: Get back to me. Figure yeah. this one out. Translate it. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a couple of light years, you know. Shit.
1: I'm going to, once I go back home, I'm going to grab The Tempest. <laughs> it's such a good book, bro. It's such a good, like, yeah. I, I, there's, a, there's a movie that was done not too long ago, Helen Mirren. Um, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. The woman director, I can't remember her name. I'm drunk. I'm blaming you. Fair enough. I'll take it. Uh,
0: (laughs) um, Two books that I read that I I didn't read completely. It was high school uh, reasons. Um, It was Moby Dick. I don't know if you've read it.
1: Yeah. Do
0: you like it? Yes, bro. Of course I (laughs) do. Okay. Saw that one coming. (laughs) And uh, To the Lighthouse. Never read that. That one is... Wild. Uh, it's a very special book. Um, I don't know if I recommend it, but it's.
1: Well. It know, it's really a very deep. special book for I don't if you to recommend it. Give me some. Give me
0: some I mean, essentially, the story, like the plot itself, which I don't think is really what matters, but you have a family on the Isle of Man, if I remember well. Um, Their family, it's in the Victorian era, and it's really just this one time with this whole family and one of the kids is like, I want to go to the lighthouse. And the dad's like, sure. The mom's like, no. And that's pretty much the plot of the first 120 pages. (laughs) And then you do a whole time jump and basically everyone's died except for like the father and the kid or something. And they go to the lighthouse. And then there's all of the symbolic package that goes around it about time passing that you just see through like the simple symbol of a green scarf that goes from bright green and like beautiful and smooth and everything to something that's completely dried out and lost its color. And then you have these little, I'm just telling you marks, things that marked me when I read it because that's all I remember. But things like them exploring the beach and then seeing these like, you know, when you go to the beach and the, uh, the sea has gone up and then it's receded and it leaves water. Yeah, the pools. Yeah, yeah. so you have that like microcosm of life, and they just look at it, and you have three pages of entire description of this one girl like bent, like looking at this pool and just seeing everything in there. And it was, but it's hard English in the sense that like understanding it and getting what's going on was not easy, even with the guidance of like a teacher who is truly passionate about these things. So, sounds interesting. I'll read it. Uh, yeah, give it a shot. It's only—it's I think it's only hundred, uh, hundred twenty or hundred eighty pages. I think I'm not sure, but it's really not that long of a book. So, what
1: was the What was the first book that, that like really had a, <clears throat> a strong impact on you?
0: Oh man, I didn't. Uh, I'm only nineteen, and I haven't read that long that much. So, I think the first books that I read were obviously like the classic books that you read as a teenager. So, like Harry Potter. Yep. At my age, and it was Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, which was really nice, but I don't think they're books that necessarily have that much of an impact on you. Um, and then there was a the high school reading that I think if it had an impact on me was mostly because of the passion that my teacher had behind it. Um, a teacher that I still talk to occasionally because of how much he, I think he enjoyed it a lot and really saw a lot of the reasons behind it and started off as a kid who didn't, give a fuck about literature, and then for some reason read one philosophical book, then the next, then the next, and then went all in on it. But so... Moby Dick was probably a good one for the times when I listened in class. And I think the most recent book that I've read, and that I haven't finished yet, is called Le Parfum, The Perfume.
1: Oh, bruv, listen, do not get me fucking started on that book, bruv! Yeah, Bro,
0: get me to st- st- get started because I'm I'm fucked up by that shit.
1: It's... Bro <sighs> Gremwell is one of my favorite characters and all like, okay, so listen. Oh my god. My favorite <laughs> yeah, see, I'm fucked up. So <clears throat> one of the reasons why I love perfume so much, it's got nothing to do with the actual literary um story. It's everything to do with the example of Grand Will to the world. The fact that the arc from discarded, non-existent, non-entity to like a, a mo- like a lifetime of that, leading to a singular moment of 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 divine majesty through a sensuous, a a sense that he had been granted, that all of us take for granted, is one of the fucking most beautiful metaphors in, in literature. And the fact that it can be elicited by words, dealing with something that we can only define by the moment, like smelling something, is brilliant. That's why, like to me, that's in my like top twenty fucking books of all time. Perfume, hands down, because of what, because of that 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 dance that the the not, the, 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 the author is doing, that little play there, of of what what Grenwell represents, is is fucking magnificent to me. I love that book, bro. And then all the other shit, like the intricacy and the detail that he goes into, with regards yeah. to like the making of fragrance and. You know, my mom worked in fragrance for fucking forty years, so I've got a bit of a background. So, like that book just kind of took me away, bro. Like, I, I, I love Patrick Suskind is a bit of a bit of a miracle worker.
0: Yeah, I think uh, it's my basically. I decided one day, random day, I was like, I want to make my own. I want to try fucking around and making a perfume, uh, which I failed miserably at. But my dad was like, No, I'll read this book. And, um, and I didn't. <laughs> and then I started reading it. Finally, I was like, I have to read this just because, like that, because like, my dad told me that I should read it and everything. And I want to start reading again. And I'm in it and I try to read it a bit every night. And just, I think what's shaken me, I think there's one part where I just don't manage to grasp the complete significance and depth of what it's actually saying and all of that, like, that sensorial deal where it just feels like so much, and I can't wrap my head around it, but on the other hand, it's the casual description of death in the book.
1: <laughs> I was sitting here, I'm like, bro, what the fuck? <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't know, I've read a lot. Um, um Yeah, no, I, I'm weird, bro, I'm a fan of shit like that. Not in yeah, terms I of, mean... like, um, like, dark, or, uh, what's the word, grotesque. It's not that, it's just... Um, Again, if you read history, there ain't shit that you're going to read. There's something like perfume that's going to like touch yeah, what has happened in, in reality, bruv. Like, you know. <laughs> um, so yeah, like I, I think it's, I think it's a fucking incredible book. I've read that like four or five times. I love, it. and yeah. the movie isn't bad. The movie really, isn't yeah. bad, but it's not as good as the fucking but book. How do you capture the essence of smell in the completely visual medium? Well, it was managed to be captured in a, in a, in a, in a literary. Oh, medium, yeah, fuck. You know? <laughs> you got to think about it that way. So, you know, there, there is. There, like, this is the thing. I think I think that my problem. I'll th- I tell you what it is. The actor who played Grenrel is fantastic, but he was just not good to Grandma. That was my main problem. I think that's the thing. He's a really, really good actor, but it, he was miscast. I didn't think he was right. Um, I mean, one of the key elements to the yeah. actual character is that he's pretty fucking grotesque and ugly. You know, he's not an attractive individual and they, you know, it's a film yeah. and there's certain things that they changed that are actually fundamental to why it worked um, as a, as a story that didn't work in the film, but I still enjoyed it. I mean, I've I watched it a couple of times. I'm just obsessed with the fucking story. I love it. I love it. I love, I, I also love that he managed to create, there's a third level where it's just these kind of almost parables of ridiculousness. Like each of the people that Grendel encounters through their own They're, hubris, yeah. just kind of become a fucking tale of what not to be. You know, it's like, like the the book is, is very, very brilliantly made.
0: That's very true. I hadn't seen that. I hadn't understood, but now that you mention it, I'm looking back at like the master perfumer in Paris, mm-hmm. the, the, the Tanner. And the ta- I, I was going to ask, what about the Tanner? What's so special about that guy? I don't feel like there's that much description about him. No, there is nothing to be
1: special. He's an example of brutality. He's an example of uh. of the mundane brutality of existence. That's literally bruv. Ninety nine percent of the world throughout entirety of human history has existed in a mundane brutality. That's you know. So he's just an example of that because he is an example of something. I mean, look at look at what he made. He made something that is everyone used at all times throughout that entire period. So like he's just a perfect metaphor for that. You know.
0: Okay, yeah. Makes sense. The perfume. I haven't... uh, I mean, I think I'm in the last 20 pages, so I'll probably finish it this week, but... Yeah, it's a magnificent
1: (laughs) book, bro. It's a magnificent book, but can I just point out? We fucking cleared the room. Look what we did. right? really? (laughs) And, like, everyone's just bounced. It's like, fuck these two guys. That's fine. Uh,
0: (laughs) I don't know. I think I've, uh, like mentioning the idea of people of like clearing the room i've with the whole podcast thing there's been like in my mind the question of should this be about the listeners or the conversation and i've gotten to the point fairly easily that it's about the conversation good man so that's like, what I, like to hear.
1: Fuck them. I don't care if there's no one in the room i just rather speak yeah, anyway and i think that's the, it's very
0: i find it very interesting so y'all should find it interesting too you know <laughs> maybe, maybe it would have helped to provide a, like an explanation of what the perfume is in the first place.
1: <laughs> yeah, that might have been an idea. Um, or maybe just no, don't talk to me about incredibly boring <laughs> shit that we find interesting, and everyone else is just like fuck these guys. So let's talk about AMMs now.
0: Uh, <laughs> If you wanna, <laughs> uh, fuck it. What do you think about AMMs? What has been your thought on all of this drama?
1: I've never been a fan of MMs. I prefer Skittles. If I'm really honest, uh, that's a I'm fair not, point.
0: That's a fair take.
1: I'm, I'm much a I'm much bigger fan of Skittles. <laughs> fuck M. Fuck MMs. Um, honestly, I don't give a shit, bro. it's not something that I really give a fuck about. This is all just, yeah. you know, this all just noise, bro. People are bored. Oh, that's so true.
0: People are very bored. Very. <sighs> Oh, just, um, what about Klanos?
1: That shit's been pumping recently. Yeah, can anyone tell me why? <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I'm not complaining. I sold one and made some money. So I'm just okay. wondering why. That shit was like
0: half of my NFT bag yesterday. <laughs> Absolute shocker. So let's look at it. Let's. I'm going to give you the professional shill. Klanosaurs is going to be the next Disney.
1: Who? Who yeah. said that? Who told you that?
0: Anatoly, founder of (laughs) Solana.
1: I think I'm joking. He tweeted that, by the way. I'm not fucking around. He tweeted that. Didn't this man once have a Solarians NFT? (laughs) Probably. Pretty sure he had it as a profile picture. Bro had everything as a profile picture.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But so, essentially, they have a really stacked animation team. Like, the animators that are behind it are impressive they worked on a bunch of different projects now wait, what wait, exactly wait, they this, worked on wait wait yeah. wait
1: wait i know all of this bro i'm oh, just okay. trying to find out why the fuck why they pumped, they pumped? yesterday
0: okay yeah. Yeah. just for that my thesis on that is because there's fuck actually i don't fucking know Um <laughs> i was gonna tell you there was less listings and more volume and i'm like yeah but that's not that's the consequence of why they pumped hey here's so. the thing,
1: i don't know i'm not in the fucking discord i don't give a shit all i know is I I saw no the there's no new that. announcement about I'm what? in the Discord.
0: There's like there's no announcement. There's no reason oh, there for it to be hyped. Time. I think that it might just be delayed people realizing that what they're doing is kind of cool.
1: But well, isn't it because like you know, the, the the coin starts going down in price and so people start dumping their money into <laughs> NFTs because they're yeah. as, as if it's stables <laughs>
0: I think there's yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a world where there was that, but like I, I fucking sold the top. It's the first time I actually sell an NFT at the top. Thank oh. you, George, for telling me to find the sell button.
1: Um are you talking about clay yeah, nose? Yeah, yeah. I got lucky. You're like. going to be pissed when they run to 115, bro.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> probably. You know what? But I got, I don't know. They had this thing called the croissants.
1: Yeah, Basically,
0: it's, it's a really cool concept. I like it. Yeah, I
1: saw it's,
0: it. I, saw I, was, it. Yeah. I got three of those.
1: Fucking hell. How
0: much but, are they? What floor are they now? 60 soul. I made like. If I sold them, which I haven't yet, I made two grand. I mean, that's how you bring value to holders, bro. It really is. Um, I don't know who Max at Liquidity is, but thank you. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> Clay knows their own thing. Um, I think we've gone over a lot of things. Do, Do you have, you have any topic? <laughs> I'm
1: like running um, Let me think. There's nothing I I can think of right now. now. How long are we going for? We're going for what two hours? That's not bad.
0: I mean, we've done an hour fifty. And honestly, I kind of like set the two hour time frame, but realistically, I could go over it. And there are people who've gone like under under an hour, and it's like, you know what? Vibes, man. I prefer it if it goes over because I, I like if it goes in the hour thirty or something because that actually has content, and you have the chance to to really get into something that means more to the people. Like actually talking about books, which I think is a bit deeper and more meaningful than
1: than other conversations that you have at the beginning, right? The, the yeah, but it might have fucking helped people if we'd have given them the context of what fucking book we were talking about. Uh, that's a fair point.
0: <laughs> 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 uh, I'm going to take notes.
1: <laughs> it's all a oh, learning had... curve, bro. It's all a learning curve.
0: Yeah, it really is. Fucking hell. This thing where it's like, I was like, let's make a podcast, and then it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Bro, it ain't uh, easy, easy think. We were I, me and Naomi have already learned this it's not um it's not as easy as you think but it's a lot of fun though isn't it
0: it is oh. it's pretty cool and i think i at first i was like oh i might not have enough guests people might not want to join and it's like oh well i have a schedule now uh fun i like this and there's great conversations and and i got jords on which by the way was the luckiest fucking stunt of my life um
1: no, it was good. I listened. I mean, he's a bit boring, you know. He's always going on about fucking surfing <laughs> and, like, markets and market dynamics and fucking how good his life is and, like, you know, being an Australian cunt. I'm a bit a bit tired of it, to be honest. But, you know, it was all right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I And mean, that, uh, that was good. I enjoyed it. Awesome. I had. I think I had one question that I, I, I usually take a couple of notes down. Oh, shit. Wait, no, uh, I usually take a couple of notes down to make sure that I'm like following and like ask questions. You're talking yeah. about the that specifically back to the you notice what who people are and what they think from what they say. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to use like do you actually actively use that knowledge to alter kind of what you say to not allow that reading between the lines or yeah. has it yeah, okay. yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, yeah
1: but here's the thing. So, okay, so this is going to be so fucking cliche. Um, That weapon I don't use because it's better not to. It's actually, so for instance, all right, I'm going to straight up say this. In fact, we've got fucking no one in the space anymore and anyone who's left in it actually knows me well enough to know that this is the truth. I am the world's greatest liar. I'd be able to convince you of fucking anything because I'm able to convince myself because I'm a fucking great actor. I just don't do it. I don't do it. It's like having a, a, a bazooka. Why the fuck am I reaching into Why? Why would I do that? And guess what? Nine times out of ten, I find it way more productive. To be brutally honest. And that's one of the things that I love about my life is that whether it be God or just the makeup of the fucking universe, it loves to continually just keep proving to me the ironies of certain things. That, it's actually more beneficial. It was, it's better for me to be this thing than the thing that I am actually explicitly very good at. Like my mom always said I would be the best fucking lawyer in the world because I can convince myself of an argument and then make that case. And I can really believe it. Um, but no, fuck no. Why would I do that? Like, that's not something. And it also, there's an element of like, I have genuinely got a conscience. And it fucks with me. It doesn't just fuck with me like behind the scenes. It fucks with me overtly. Fucks with me just in a conversation. I can't not be balanced because I feel like I'm being disingenuous. And then I feel like I'm being disingenuous to myself. So the breakdown of like when people talk about themselves between the lines, there's two sides to it. The other side is the adverse, where it's like, well, what can you learn from what the person is saying between the lines? And then what am I saying between the lines? What is it that bothers me? What is it that irks me? What is it about me that I'm trying to either reinforce or deconstruct? All right. Well, when I find that, then I can really unpack it and apply it to myself. And guess what I find? I find it's usually the counter to the easiest option, right? And the easiest option is usually the most difficult because of numerous factors. So, like, in, in the same measure, it's like, you know, <laughs> I've got, like, the world's worst fucking temper, but I don't really anymore because I've learned that I usually gain I get far more traction talking to people in an extremely calm manner than being angry. It's a similar thing. Like, regardless of, like, you know, So that kind of thing where I kind of, I will be, I'll allow those things to slip through, even though I see them there. That's what I'm saying is that I will allow those things to happen, even though I see them when I say them. Okay. Um, So like an example for me would probably be tonight when I've kept reinforcing the fact that we're not going anywhere. That's because I have, remember I mentioned before, there's two reasons why people do these things is they think that's what people think about them or it's because it's what they think about themselves. I clearly have a subliminal concern where people seem to think that we're going to disappear. We're going to go like the way everything Because I hear this from artists. They're like, you know, we're worried. And I get the subliminal that they're like, we're worried you're going to go as well. Right. So there's a part of my brain subliminally that's like, right, I need to reinforce this. I see it, but I let myself say it. I let myself say it because I'd rather be honest with people. I'd rather be me and I'd rather get that credence than my talking shit, bruv. Ask anyone who knows me. I'm the last on this planet to make that choice.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, you mentioned being like, you could be like a great lawyer, but you decide not to do that. Is there also a challenge to use that skill set in a place where it would not typically be used? Or is it really just, to a certain extent, not using that skill set or knowing when to use it and not abusing of it, I guess?
1: Well, abusing it would be using it in the day to day with the people that you know and love. Using it is is in situations where you wouldn't even think about using it. And yes, I've deliberately put myself in situations where it has come as a benefit, and I've inadvertently put myself in situations where it's come as a benefit. Yeah, for sure. But it's a trick of the mind. It's not like you know. I was we're fucking. I think I was talking with Pinug. Scrog and Boo and a Collie over there about this, where it's like there's certain examples and experiences in my life in which the only way for me to get out of that particular situation is to act, not be real, and then you know I've walked away. Fair enough. I mean you you have
0: the you have the tools for it sometimes might as well use it, sometimes might as well don't. I'd probably also say
1: there's a huge amount of luck that we went with that as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It's all luck, bro. It's really and truly. Uh, it really is. It really is, yeah. I
0: okay. I think it's a good place to close it off. We hit the two-hour mark. It was a great conversation.
1: I thoroughly Unless enjoyed myself. A... For,
0: I really enjoyed I it. very much appreciate that, man. I really do. Um... I, th- I have two closing remarks. I think the first one is, is there anyone that you would like to see on the podcast slash that you think would like to join?
1: Mm. Um, there's quite a few, actually. I could send you a list. Okay, yeah, I'll take that <laughs> 100%.
0: I've yeah, I'll send,
1: you a, I'll send you a list. There's a few people. I mean, there's a few people in this room. Um, I mean, in fact, you know, Boo, Dali, Uga, McNat, Chai, Don't talk to Pinak. He's a prick and he's just going to complain. But everyone else, okay. yeah, they're great. Noted. <laughs>
0: okay, awesome. And then, well, I think, first of all, for the PO app, uh, which isn't a up anymore because they screwed me over, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll. I'll tweet a tweet right now for those because I recognize everyone here, so it's not going to be an issue. But for those of you who are here, post your address and I'm going to mint it straight. I'm going to mint Booze beautiful um, NFT straight to your wallets. It's transferable and um, it's proof of attendance. I hope you guys like it. And Toshi, obviously, he'll get it. Um, and for those of you who are on the podcast with Celestial, I'm going to do a remit of that so everyone can get that piece and so that it's properly done. Um, and then is there anything, anyone or anything in particular that you would like to shout out, you know, throw it out? The um,
1: world? No, I mean, I've already shouted out the, 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 the pricks that are left in here. I love you all. <laughs> Thank you for having the patience to listen to my bullshit. Um, shout out my wife for also doing the same and for ordering me Indian food while i'm drunk um and uh shout out me for being a fucking g bro (laughs) best indian food yeah 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 oh god yeah
0: (laughs) okay um well yeah i do these podcasts on tuesdays and thursdays um if you want to tune in follow me or set reminders and all of that thanks a lot everyone for listening thank you toshi for being here And uh, with that being said, I'll close with some soothing lo-fi music. and, And thanks a lot.